What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we got a special video. We're going to go over the running backs that I am not touching in rounds three through six in that RB dead zone range. We're going to go over what the RB dead zone is, the running backs I'm avoiding in that range. We're going to get into all of that. We got a good one today. Let's not waste any time. Make sure you subscribe, leave a like, turn the notifications on so you know when I post these videos. Let's go. Now, when we're avoiding these running backs in the middle rounds, that running back dead zone, it's not even so much that we're avoiding these running backs for other running backs. It's that we're avoiding these running backs for better options at wide receiver in that range. And this is what comes down to the idea of winning the flex position. And we're going to be referencing a really good article by Jack Miller over on Established to Run. I'm going to link that down below. But he goes over the idea that wide receivers are outscoring running backs at almost every spot in ADP in PPR scoring from 2015 to 2020. He said wide receivers score more raw fantasy points than running backs at every point in the first 10 rounds. Because of that, it's always optimal to get a wide receiver in your flex spot. A wide receiver going in round five is just as productive as a running back going two rounds earlier. So you're donating points if you plan to start three RBs every week. And this data still holds in 0.5 PPR. I use Rotoviz's win the flex tool, set it to 0.5 PPR. And as you can see, since 2015, a running back's projected point total at ADP was lower than a wide receiver across the board until about pick 75 when it converges. And it just so happens that the running back dead zone is rounds three through six. That round six spot is pick 72. So that's right around pick seven or round seven. That's when wide receiver and running back converges. So I'm avoiding running backs everywhere before that. And that's where we get into the RB dead zone. So if we know that wide receivers are better than running backs through the first six rounds, and I covered this in my other video where we went over legendary upside running backs, but we know that running backs have huge upside in the first two rounds of fantasy drafts. That's where we find the Todd Gurley's, the Christian McCaffrey's, the David Johnson's, all of those league winning running backs come in those first two rounds. Those, those running backs that have the season named after them, the 20% or more win rate. So ideally, we chase running backs in the first two rounds, followed by wide receivers from rounds three through six. Now, the question is, why are these running backs failing at such a high rate in rounds three through six? And it's because usually these running backs are those, are those mid-ranged RB2s. And the problem with them is that they're not so much talented running backs, but they're propped up by volume and just guys with stat sheets and their projections. You know, it's guaranteed touches. We don't want those guys. These are big swings at the top of our drafts. And there are little wins and big misses. We don't we don't want those kinds of draft picks. We want big wins and little misses. And you're never going to get a huge win from targeting a, a two-down plotter in round four, five, six. And the problem is that these running backs, the two-down plotters, the guys who give you stable RB2 production are extremely replaceable on waivers. And that's the problem. You can get that production from, from the waiver wire and your opponent can beat you in that spot. Now, some of you guys might not believe me, but we just had Cam Akers go down. Cam Akers goes down. Darrell Henderson goes all the way from being a dart throw running back in like the 12th round all the way up to a fourth round running back. He is now a running back too after that whole whole event. But we have Michael Thomas go down. Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway are not shooting up to the fourth round to be wide receiver twos at ADP. You can get those as the season goes on, more RB2s appear off waiver wire and not even not even for the full stretch of the season. So it's tough to look at the, the points per game at the end of the season, but you even have instances where Chris Carson goes down. Now we can start DJ Dallas for a week. Oh, Raheem Mostert goes down. You can start Jermichael Hasty for two weeks. Usually your opponent is going to be churning out these running backs on waivers and they're going to be able to find the guy off waivers, put him in the RB2 spot. And the advantage that your RB2 that you're getting in rounds three through six, without even without even mentioning that those running backs are busting at a high rate, even if he stays healthy and he produces RB2 numbers, 
his production is very replaceable. You're gaining no edge and it's probably the worst way to draft. Now, if you want to dip into the RB dead zone, I'll probably do a video where I'll talk about my targets, where if I am going to make a detour and kind of walk on, walk on fire and grab a running back in that dead zone, they're going to be young guys. We're chasing ceiling RB1 production. That's that that irreplaceable production is RB1s. You're not getting RB1s off waiver wire. So ideally, you want to shoot for young guys with pass catching and shoot for that ceiling. Last year, the classic dead zone guys that you drafted for floor, for guaranteed touches because they looked pretty on projections preseason. You have Mark Ingram, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, and David Johnson. And all of those guys, a couple of them didn't even bust your teams. None of them helped you win a championship though. And those were all guys that people were taking to make their RB core robust. And they were passing on guys like Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, all of those guys. All of those guys went in the same exact area of the draft last year as Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. They were going around the same ADP. And I know people say that, oh, wide receiver is deep later. Yes, wide receiver is deep in rounds three through six. So if you start three, four running backs, like I've seen people, some people do, or three, four running backs in the first five rounds, you're missing out on the DK Metcalfs, the AJ Browns, the Keenan Allen, that's where you're going to find those wide receiver twos that jump up to wide receiver ones. So with that being said, we know we want to avoid these dead zone running backs. The question is, who are they in 2021? And that's what we're going to go over here. Now, this is the easiest pick on the whole list. We're going to do three running backs today. Mike Davis is the dead zone running back poster child. Now I'm going to preface this by saying we're going to be using Yahoo ADP because underdog has sharp drafters on there. They've already adjusted to the running back dead zone. You have guys like Josh Jacobs going in the sixth and seventh round. There's, there's such a, a massive sort of push on the RB dead zone that it doesn't really even exist anymore on underdog, but in your home leagues on Yahoo on ESPN, it still very much exists. And Mike Davis is going at the 607 as the RB26. And I guarantee he's going to go a little bit higher than that in your home league. And the problem with Mike Davis is, is he's being drafted purely on his surrounding factors. He's a 28 year old career backup. You know, these things don't really go well. It's the classic, no one's behind him. What could go wrong kind of approach. You know, it's, oh, Javion Hawkins, Quadriolis, and they're not going to take any touches away. So Mike Davis will be fine. I get that they're not great options, but this could be a committee. Mike Davis could get the job and then he does nothing. You know, this is a, a guy who isn't that special of a running back. And when we're targeting these running backs, again, we're, tar we're, we're aiming for ceiling. You know, Mike Davis might've been, he was like the RB 14 last year and he looked decent, but again, he's a career backup. I'm going to flash his stats on the screen from his first six seasons. Let me know if anything stands out. He literally got half of his career yardage total last year on the Carolina Panthers. And everyone remembers when he was great for those first five weeks, but then he just fell off. He went from 17.62 points per game in weeks two through seven to 10.1 points per game in his next nine games. He, he, he wasn't really doing anything past a five game stretch. And here's the thing, plenty of players in the NFL just run hot. You know, there's just players that run hot, man. Like some players just, they, they hit a couple things, right? They fall in the end zone a couple times and okay, they put together a five game stretch, but that's really all he had. We're hoping that lightning strikes twice for Mike Davis to pay off. He needs to re he needs to try and get that magic again and, and get going. But the, the Falcons don't have a great offensive line. I think that he's going to be in a committee here and I don't see a path to him becoming an RB one. I don't think that there is any type of path to that without a bunch of injuries like there was last year. It just doesn't make sense for me to pay for a guy that you found off waivers last year when you could just find another Mike Davis off waivers again this year. And where he's getting drafted in the early six, I prefer I prefer Judy, Andrews, or Hawkinson at tight end. I like Debo there. I like Sutton. I like Robbie Anderson. I like Dak in that early six now that he's slipping a little bit. And I'm not a big fan of the uh, the early round QB type stuff, but I'll take, I'll take Lamar, Dak, 
Kyler, all those guys over these dead zone running backs. Now, this next one's going to get some pushback, and I understand that because I know that there's a lot of guys out there that like Miles Gaskin. And I think that Miles Gaskin is actually somewhat appealing here. You can even make the case that if you wanted to dip on Miles Gaskin, you could. But I, I'm good. I, and I and I 100% I see the ceiling. He, he was the RB10 last year. He looked pretty good. And he could be the next Arian Foster, you know, the next late round running back hero. But uh, this is more of a of a game theory type of fade. You know, I get major Thomas Rawls, Alex Collins, CJ Anderson type vibes where this is a guy who was a late round draft pick, did a little bit in his first year and now is kind of being prop, propped up in year two. The problem is that these guys are are super fragile. And I also just prefer the other options in, in his range. He's going at the 506 as the RB23. And when I say fragile, I mean he only had a seven-game sample last year as the main back and was a seventh-round pick in the NFL. You know, these, these coaches just don't give a damn about these players picked in the back half of drafts. And, I, and I'm not saying that, that it's even right for them to do that, but we just saw James Robinson have a 1,000-yard season, looked really good, and then their, their coach, the GM, turned around and drafted a first round running back. They really don't have ties to these late round running backs. They're replaceable. They're just another body on the depth chart. I don't think that they see them the same way that we do in the fantasy world. This is also a crowded backfield. I think that Salvin Ahmed was actually really good. I'm probably going to be targeting him a lot in the late rounds of drafts. And in Gaskin's absence, he looked really good. He rushed for 122 rushing yards against the Patriots. Gaskin never passed 100 rushing yards last year. So he already looked pretty decent comparatively between the tackles. I think that Salvin Ackman could get some work. I think Malcolm Brown, the guy they brought in from LA, who's always been vulturing touchdowns and being kind of a annoying over there at the LA Rams. I think that he could be taking some goal line work away. It's going to be a little bit more of a committee backfield. And now when I say that, I think that that's actually appealing because we want to target these ambiguous backfields for that running back upside. But I think multiple rounds later, the move there, if we're going to be targeting an ambiguous backfield and kind of lean into the uncertainty, I'd rather go Trey Sermon or Chase Edmonds. You know, they have James Conner and Raheem Mostert there. They're on better offenses than the Miami Dolphins. And I would just take the, it's it's a similar bet that you can make two rounds later. And in your home league, you're gonna be able to get Claypool, Ayuk, Higgins, all of them in that same range as Miles Gaskin. I can't pass on any of those guys for Miles Gaskin. That's the problem that I have. And even on underdog in the sixth round, I don't take him there. But when he falls to the seventh, I don't mind him. But this is more of a home league video. In your home league, he's gonna go fourth, fifth round. He just went late fourth round in my home league. That's a guy that you're, you're going to want to pass on. Go grab one of those stud wide receivers. Then we have the guy who's been starting Twitter wars this offseason. We have Josh Jacobs. And the problem that I have with Josh Jacobs is he has zero paths to high end upside. He is the poster boy for let me draft this guy and get a high end RB2. And the problem is, is that when we're looking for elite running backs, guys that can be RB1s, they're efficient runners. They have pass catching upside, all that. Josh Jacobs has none of that going for him. He is one of the most inefficient running backs in the NFL. He averaged 3.9 yards per carry last year. Yards per carry obviously isn't a great stat, but 3.9 is just sad. It's like that's a that's a tough number to look at. 3. Point, that's like Trent Richardson type stuff. And I don't see how that goes up with the Raiders moving on from three starters this offseason on the offensive line, one of them being elite center Rodney Hudson, and he only caught 33 passes last year. So he doesn't have a lot going for him and they brought in Kenyon Drake who's going to cap any of that pass catching upside. I could even see Drake uh, cut into some of the rushing opportunity. I, I'm actually taking stabs at Kenyon Drake late because I don't think that's a bad a bad move. You know, he could be receiving back there. He could get the valuable touches. And then if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, it's kind of wheels up for Kenyon Drake. And the weird part is, is that I've seen this on Twitter, but I don't see it get talked about a lot, is that Josh Jacobs is really game script dependent. And if you look at his splits right here, I'm going to put him on the screen. In wins versus losses, he he's a different guy. He's literally a different dude. He had 21 points per game in wins 
in 10.7 points per game in losses. And this is a team with a 6.5 win total in Las Vegas. So they're going to lose more games than they win. And you don't really want a running back that's, that's, you know, game script dependent because those things fluctuate. They could, they could be losing a lot more games. You know, they could, Kenyon Drake could even start getting flipped into the mix. I don't know. There's just not, you just don't want a guy that his performance in your, in your lineup is depending on if they're favorites that week. Like, oh, okay, they're going up the Kansas City Chiefs. I should probably sit him this week. Like, that's not that's not great for me. I'd rather just get the wide receivers in this range, especially in the early fourth. The early fourth, you're passing on studs at wide receiver for Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs is a guy where you're shooting strictly for floor. He's a guaranteed touches back. And those are the guys that we want to avoid, especially at the 402, man. You can get Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore. There's a lot of guys in that range that I really like. T Higgins, a lot of guys in that early fourth round that you can get at wide receiver that are way better options. Now, with that being said, that is my take on the running back dead zone. Very soon, we're going to be going over uh, probably the zero running back strategy, the hero running back strategy, running backs that I like in the dead zone, all of that kind of stuff. You know, I want to really get into the weeds on that. And this is stuff that I this is stuff that I didn't realize last year. I, I used to be this like value-based drafter where I'd go off of tiers and the best player in each tier would be who I take, no matter what position they are. But now I, I still do that. But the way my rankings work on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, my rankings are all in there for literally $5. I'm telling you, don't go spend $25 on somebody's random draft guide. I'm telling you for literally for $5, you can have mine. And I have it set up so the dead zone running backs are pushed back just enough so that they're at a spot that I'd be comfortable taking them and you can go off the rankings and it's it's perfect. The, the drafts I've been doing with them, if you just go right off the rankings, that final roster is beautiful. Now, with that being said, let me know if you disagree. If any of those running backs you are taking a stab at in these middle rounds, I will say if there's one guy I can make a case for, it's Miles Gaskin on underdog. If you're going to take a, a dead zone running back, Miles Gaskin in the sixth isn't a big deal. Miles Gaskin in the fifth, though, I can't get there. Now, make sure you follow me at Ron Store underscore on Twitter. We're going to be pumping out some videos this week, some nice videos this week. I got some I got some surprises for you this week. And with that being said, I will see you guys in the next one. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rap a song, sing.